Welcome to another edition of Bite Marsh Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and of course, the startup scene. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off today's show learning about the upcoming Cultural Animation Film Festival, and Michael Ceballos is here to tell us all about it. And of course, then we'll hear about the future of STEM in Hawaii. Isla Young will give us an update after the recent statewide STEM conference at the Hawaii Convention Center. But as we said, first off, we want to welcome Michael Ceballos here to tell us about the upcoming Cultural Animation Film Festival. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, thank you for having me here. Now, this is the uh, the first cultural animation show here, I mean, festival here yes, in Hawaii. Yes, yes, it is. What was the kind of the genesis? I mean, what brought it all together? Well, um... Uh, my company, Twiddle Productions, mm-hmm. we've been doing a lot of cultural animated films, and there's been such a, a great response for um, from the community and the the children that we realized that there's a lot more out there, and we should have a showcase to to share it with people. How would you characterize what would be a cultural a piece of cultural animation? Well, um, it can be anything from uh, bringing legends to life or telling stories from your family, um, anything that is based on and around your culture, especially if it's uh, based on language that helps you per- perpetuate that language and culture itself. And animation being the, the, the medium. Right, exactly. And for the festival, we have quite a few different mediums. We have 2D, we have some CGI, we have uh, stop motion, paint stop motion, mm-hmm. and also flash animation. So a, a wide range of techniques. Tell us a little bit more about Twiddle. I mean, are you based in Hawaii or are you? Yeah, yeah. Very small, very small company. Um, more like independent producing. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I'm from Los Angeles. Came here about 10, 11 years ago. Do- I noticed you have a, a L.A. I area do. code. I still kept it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and so you have a small operation here. And yep. what types of titles would you typically produce? Um, well, most rec- recently we did Misa the Chamorro Girl Who Saves Guahan, which we worked with the Department of Education in Guahan. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, bringing together um, students. We trained them in participating in the film in art and all the voice acting. And um, that project was for perpetuating the indigenous language pre-contact. Uh, we also did Ola Navy Haloa, which was all in Hawaiian. And uh, prior to that, my team worked on several other Hawaiian animated films as well. Mm-hmm. And who are some of the other participants in the you know this film festival? Well, in the film festival, we have... Um, well, we have about 37 films from all over the world. We have films from um, representing um, uh, Aboriginal films. Mm-hmm. We have uh, films from Coast Salish. Salish, I said it wrong. I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, Brazilian. We have um, Mexican films. We have Hawaiian films. It's it's a huge selection. And out of that 37 films, we have four that are AR and VR demo presentations. Mm-hmm. And out of that are 31 premieres to Hawaii. Wow. This is a major, sounds like a pretty major undertaking. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun, though. Um, initially, we started about two months ago. I, I should say about a year ago, it was just an idea. Mm-hmm. And two months ago, Taylor Chang from the Doris Duke Theater said, hey, what if you know, we have some time. Mm. And, and myself and Dr. Hattori from mm-hmm. the Pacific Center for Islands uh, Studies. Who, who we know as Mary. Mary. Yes, Mary. <laughs> Hi, Mary. She, I know she's listening. Um, she, we, we've been talking about it, and, and Taylor brought us in, and, and we thought, oh, maybe we can do a Sunday for one hour or two. You know, she's like, hey, let's do a week. We're like, oh, okay. Mm. 
So then we had to scramble to get get films in. You yeah, know. so I okay. see other groups like uh, the Pacific Islanders of Communications, uh, yes. CG Bros, the New Media Arts Program at KCC, yes. uh, the Cultural Animators Network. Now you have yes. some uh, you know connections on the West Coast, uh, but this is an international event. So uh, mm-hmm. is it just because of the confluence of all these great organizations that this international event is happening in Honolulu? Um, it's happening in Honolulu uh, initially mostly because of uh, where I'm based and uh, the museum because they were the first to offer uh, a, a venue. venue. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the program itself can travel. You know, So we're hoping that – we're having a few discussions, hoping that after we launch here that the same program could travel to different locations as well. What are you trying to achieve in actually pulling off this uh, this film festival just to kind of educate people about the different cultures or is there something more mm-hmm. that you want to you know sort of convey? Well, yeah, and thank you for asking that. That's a, a very important question because obviously there's a lot of amazing festivals here, especially in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's all focused on film itself. And the art of animation is in there, but it's not a folk feature specifically. So – we thought that this would be a great showcase for that. And then you add culture into the mix. It makes it even more special and actually a little more niche because cultural animators themselves are really doing this for the um, f- to, to preserve, to tell their stories more than having budgets to do it. Sure, sure. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the goal is to to be able to share other people's work who wouldn't have the opportunity to have it be shown and to share with the audience new stories that they're unaware of. And at the end, we kind of notice that they're all talking about the same thing because mm. we're all the same people. So tell me about the uh, audience experience and, and really why you're here uh, sharing this story mm. is uh, when if somebody wants to experience some of these stories in animated form, the different mediums, um, what is that like and how would they dive in? Well, um, we open on the 20th, and we're going to have a reception. Um, I would say the there's not much to do to prepare for it aside from just coming and uh, just enjoying yourself because there is no um, real connection. with. We have four programs, and the only connection is that they are cultural stories in animation mm-hmm. form, and they all tell different stories and different perspectives. So uh, you could experience a wide range of um, – in some cases, emotions, but a lot of knowledge and, and mana is being passed through that as well. Mm-hmm. So somebody could buy a ticket and for the whole week, for example, and just uh, s- well, seven. Well, for up. kids, uh, everyone seventeen and under is free, which is amazing. Oh, okay. Um, on the twenty first is a family fun Sunday at uh, the Bank of Hawaii, I believe it's family fun Sunday, and it's free all day long. Um, and for the rest, I believe uh, I, I believe they're ten dollar tickets for general admission, and then if you have a a museum um, membership, it's a, a discount. But I, you'd have to look at the website to be to double-check that for sure. Okay. And what then, is that website? Yep. The website is uh, caff.twiddleproductions.com. And from there, there's a ticket button that will take you to the tickets, and you can get all the minutiae and specifics right there. But the website is pretty amazing because it also dives into each film and connects to other films the other animators' organizations and their backgrounds. So real quickly, now, mm-hmm. what are the dates and where is this all taking place? Okay, it takes place this May 20th, 21st, 23rd, and 24th mm-hmm. at the Honolulu Museum of Art Doris Duke Theater. Opening night, there's going to be reception. Um, there'll be some, some entertainment. There'll be some uh, food available for purchase. And uh, closing night is the 24th. And Fantastic. all the films are going to be at the Doris Duke uh, Theater? Absolutely. 
Wow, this is going to be a great, great uh, presentation. Sounds so we will put the show, uh, the uh, link up on the show notes. Awesome. So anybody who wants to check this out, they can come to uh, bitemarkscafe.org later on tonight. Thank you very much. So thanks, Michael, for joining us. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Isla Young. And she's going to give us an update on STEM activities in the state of Hawaii. Don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Hawaii Pacific University, and Ulupono Initiative. I'll turn it on in the living room to hear Prairie Home Companion or just to have the beautiful classical music on in the background. I'm an addict of morning edition and when I'm fortunate enough to be going home during the hours when All Things Considered is aired, I always tune into that as well. I mean, it's the preset on my radio dial in my car. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us in the studio, Isla Young. Isla is the Program Director, K-12 STEM Educator, and of course, she works for the Maui Economic Development uh, Board's Director for Women in Technology, and I know I've left something else out. But. A person of many hats. Yes. How has the STEM initiative in Hawaii evolved over the years? Of course, we want to hear about the STEM conference as well. Welcome, Isla, to By Marks Cafe. Thank you, friends. I appreciate you having me here. Now, I did try to capture some of the main projects that you are involved in, but I know, Isla, you know, I told you earlier that uh, you've been one of the STEM <clears throat> Kind of, you know, the one of the, the the tips of the spear for STEM in Hawaii for a long time, and I've been always wanting to get you on the show to to talk about all the activities that you're involved in, uh, but it took us this long to to have you on, and we're, we're really happy to have you. But STEM works, women in technology, you know, the STEM conference. I mean, you've been doing this all for many many years. I have, I have. It's, you know, I'm so blessed to have this job. Uh, my whole um, job and what we're doing through our organization is really just trying to grow the next generation of our young STEM talents. Mm-hmm. And not only um, the fact that they have these high-end technology skills, but really also growing the next generation of leaders for our state. So, um, so this job that you are referring to, is this... Um, basically for Maui Economic Development Board, or is it kind of independent of that? You know what? MEDB serves as the um, umbrella organization, Mm -hmm. and then within that is our Women in Technology program. So just to clarify, our Women in Tech, we help as many boys as we help girls, Um, but our goal is really to grow, you know, our young girls, our underrepresented minorities that might not typically um, see themselves in these career paths. So we help to connect those dots for them. Mm -hmm. And you also are involved with STEM works? That is. So um, under our Women in Technology, we have about 30-plus programs that we— 30. 30. We're busy. <laughs> um, but we're uh, managing those that many programs throughout the state. So we work on every single island, uh, including Molokai in Lanai. Mm-hmm. And Maui happens to be home base, mm-hmm. but um, we work on every island. Mm-hmm. So it's a statewide program, but it is um, organized and under the—, the the umbrella of the Maui Economic Development Board. Correct. What is the the funding and support background of all of these statewide initiatives then? 
That's a good question. And, you know, it has changed over the years. Um, Initially, we were uh, one of Senator Inouye's earmarks Mm, way mm. back in the day. Uh, Since then, we've got a lot of federal monies. We have state monies. We have um, county and then private monies. And the reality is the um, funding streams and structures are changing. We also are doing that. So we're doing some work uh, fee-for-service and now developing programs specifically for companies that need um, STEM type. Uh, work. So we're trying to be um, smart about how we um, implement. Is there an equivalent of what you're doing, let's say, on Maui for the state here on Oahu? Well, I wouldn't say an equivalent because uh, we are here on Oahu. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, for example, our STEMWorks program is a STEM service learning program uh, embedded within 27 schools across the state. So on every island, you'll find students that are utilizing high-end tools to solve real-world problems. Um, and then... Uh, so I guess we partner heavily with all the different organizations that are pushing um, STEM because, you know, we can't do it all. So the reality is we're stronger when we, we kind of, you know, Science mm-hmm. Olympiad and um, Engineering Fair and, you know, all these different things that are happening across the state. They have huge value. And we're trying to just make sure our students have access to these different programs. Well, just as one example, perhaps you can talk to us a little bit about your robotics initiatives, which we cover quite a bit here on this show. But it is, of course, across school uh, levels, across school types, charter, public, private. Um, so um, how does that intersect with your work? Uh, you know, it actually very much so. We started funding robotics back in the day. I'm talking probably about 17 years ago when um, it first started here in the state and the Big Island was the first ones to kind of start doing that. Um, so we partner heavily with them. We have helped put on actual um, robotic competitions. But, you know, we also see that they have that down and they're doing an amazing job there. So as much as we can support them, we do. But that really isn't our niche area mm-hmm. that we're focused in on. Sure. Is, would you characterize your f- primary focus in the uh, in initiating some of these programs, as well as you know working with educators in trying to sustain the effort? Absolutely. So we um, typically. Uh, uh, train about close to 500 teachers a year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, funding and um, support and um, time spent helping to grow our teachers throughout the state because if they don't know what's um, happening in STEM and what's happening in the industry, then they're not able to go back into their classrooms and prepare their young people. So we reach about, you know, four to 500 teachers a year in our training programs. And then we have a reach of about 50,000 students throughout the state that we are working with um, actively. So our programs are designed to reach all demographics Mm. and all students. They're definitely not just for our gifted and talented. They really do encourage our students that are non-traditional learners to get in there and have a chance to have exposure to these high-end areas. So we focus on geospatial areas and virtual reality and coding and um, circuitry and, you know, the things that are growing in industry. Mm -hmm. um, We need to make sure our young people have access to these tools. So in addition to the high-end tools, how are we helping also to grow these young people as leaders and helping them understand that they can have such an impact on our Hawaii state and, you know, making sure they understand that they can... um, 
really make a difference. Well, I definitely want to talk more about you know the the difference that you can make for in, for students in particular. But I I liked how you're talking about the professional development, the work that you do working with teachers, because I think that you know 20 years ago STEM might have been niche, and now STEM is core curriculum basically in Absolutely. order to succeed in the future future workforce or or even being future entrepreneurs. So uh, talk a little bit more about your uh, program's outreach to the educator community. Absolutely. You know, um, a lot of times the programs, the STEM programs that are out there don't necessarily um, focus in on teachers because they're trying to get the kids jazzed and get them excited and inspired. But we have found that a lot of our teachers go to college, of course, and then they go directly into the classroom. And so there's no in-between time for them to understand what's happening in industry or even what's coming. You know, we're asking them to grow this next generation that's going to be filling jobs that don't even actually exist yet. So how can we make sure that they're on the pulse of what's happening, the resources and the tools that they need? Um, So we shape professional development for our teachers tied in with the Padere credits, which is the credits you get through the um, Department of Education system, which has an Um, an impact on their salary. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to make sure that they have uh, resources and training and all of our training um, is not just a one-off. You don't just come and then, uh, hey, we hope it goes well. We spend quite a bit of time um, supporting them, making sure implementation in the classroom is happening. And then if they have any questions or need additional resources, um, we have that available. So, What is the typical profile of the teacher that would want to participate in you, your STEM program? Because you, know, you would think, well, maybe they're the science teacher, maybe they're the math teacher. But what, you know, over the cross-section, it must span quite a bit of disciplines. It does. And honestly, that's where the beauty happens. Because if you have um, diverse population of teachers that are teaching the English and the social studies and the math and the science, that allows for these projects and this STEM work to happen, um, which mirrors what they're going to experience when they get into real life. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily um, only work with your quote unquote STEM teachers. We um, try to find teachers that are very open to inquiry-based learning, that understand that sometimes there's managed chaos and a classroom needs to allow students to dig in and get their hands dirty and um, we're really just trying to find teachers that are open to new experiences and to allowing their students to a lot of times jump in and take charge because students learn so much quicker uh, in the STEM areas. So if we have teachers that are willing to kind of step out of the way and allow these young people to shine and, and do amazing things, um, it's really a special thing to see. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a capacity building for Absolutely. the whole sort of educational community. Absolutely. Oh, great. Now, yeah. a lot of the challenges that teachers face, of course, is access to resources. Certainly, you might have someone that's fully uh, motivated to teach um, circuit building or, or working with um, robotics or solar panels, but it then becomes a matter of access to those those high-end tools that you talked about, for example. Mm-hmm. Those, those aren't necessary, but they're certainly helpful to engage students. Um, what uh, resources are available for teachers in that case that perhaps their school is unable to uh, or needs help finding the budget for these kinds of uh, learning tools? Well, I think that's one of the biggest pieces for our teachers and also uh, equality for our students across the state. So if you're not from a high-end school that has a lot of funding, how are you able to provide um, 
those experiences for your young people. So from our Women in Technology program, we have a whole lending library. And when you hear library, you think books, but it's actually a whole lending library of computers and laptops and software and water testing quality kits and solar panels and you name it. Whatever um, ties into our professional development, we have it available across the state. So our teachers, when they're in in time of need or they don't have, they tap us and we make sure that they have it available to them. But Mm -hmm. we're trying to really make it um, possible for our teachers to learn and then on top of that have the resources they need. You know, I think uh, this is is really fascinating because now I kind of understand the part that you play in helping to sort of build a capacity in STEM. And I want to start talking a little bit about the the conference that you just held uh, at the uh, Honolulu uh, Hawaii Convention Center. Want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Isla Young. And we're talking about STEM in Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozan. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Isla Young about STEM programs in the schools. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about, uh, you know, what Isla's I guess the programs that she gets involved in, and, and one of the big things that you just you know pulled off was uh, this STEM conference over at the Hawaii Convention Center. Now, just to keep things in perspective, this has been going on for many years, and it's primarily on Maui. Well, and you grew out of that, uh, I guess, the venue and wanted to now do it in, in, in Honolulu and was this the first one in Honolulu? It was, and that's exactly what happened, actually. It's been held. This was our eighth year, mm-hmm. um, so seven years on Maui, but it has always been a statewide conference, and everyone would um, um, converge on Maui all these years. But this year, because of growth and demand and really um, expansion, uh, we brought it here to the Hawaii Convention Center. It was um, We had about 1,000 students and teachers and industry professionals uh, from both here in the state that came in and then also our national partners that flew in. Mm-hmm. So it was an incredibly exciting two days. Um, we shape it where there's breakout sessions for our students, two days of that, all focused around STEM. We have a separate professional development for our teachers that they get to learn from all these amazing industry folks that are here. Um, and one of the fun things that we do is called our 5 by 5 session, which is uh, a chance for our young people to um, – communicate and have some speed networking with industry partners. So we had over 70 industry partners that came in and sat down with our young people. And they're basically on a, on a round table and they get to ask questions. How did you get your start? What do you love about your job? You know, what do you wish somebody told you when you were a young person? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's incredibly valuable time for these young people to have a chance to ask those questions that they might not have the opportunity to in their classrooms. Um, so we had, you know, you name it, NSA was there. The FBI came. We had um, uh, 3D Innovations. We just have all sorts of companies come, NASA, Microsoft, um, ZSpace was there. We just had really, really amazing industry professionals that give of their time so that our Hawaii kids can become inspired. They already are. I mean, that's why they're there. But Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a chance to kind of um, get that extra um, boost as they're going through school. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds just amazing to me that the program can incorporate students 
teachers, uh, teacher uh, education experts and pro- uh, professional development people, and the private sector, and and probably the public sector as well. I mean, yes. that's a pretty big umbrella that you're throwing over this group. Um, who are the stars of the show? It sounds to me that perhaps exposing the students directly to this mix is one of the things that that you find amazing and attractive. But you know, is there a is there a center? for this program, or is it really that mix is the point of this conference? You know, it really is the mix. And at the end of the day, uh, our job is to inspire our young people. So all of these moving pieces that are going on, and let me tell you, it's layered and it's complex, and pulling it off has been, um, it was no small feat. But we're so um, passionate about our young people Mm -hmm. and helping them understand how amazing they are. And if you give a young person the tools and the resources and a little bit of love, man, the stuff that they can do. So, um, you know, one of the add-ons that we did this year that we've never done before was our STEMWorks Playground, which we had Microsoft and we had um, our Think It kids. And we had all sorts of really cool pieces where kids basically come and play and teachers and get to see how virtual reality works and get to see all these different tools. Um, so that was one of the more popular um, things at the conference. And one of the, uh, one of the I guess, groups that came was RoboNation, right? And, and they are trying to roll out some new robotics programs. I think one of what I think it was Seaglide. Yes. So uh, tell us a little bit about that just because uh, this is how perhaps the entry of a new robotics program might might take place as a result. Absolutely. So they're actually still in the process of um, process of kind of shaping things and will be coming into Hawaii um, towards the end of the year. Um, and so they're also uh, funded by the Office of Naval Research, mm-hmm. which we have been very um, blessed to be funded by them, too. So we brought them. Um, they were able to come, and they're really um, trying to teach our young people, of course, about robotics, but about the autonomous um, vehicles. vehicles. And, and of and course, you, you know, having these on water is a whole other experience as well. Absolutely, and especially considering we're on an island mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean. So our students just find it absolutely um, so engaging, and they want to get their hands in, and they want to have a chance to learn. So. It, it was really neat to have them with us. Now, Ayla, I mean, this sounds like a, a successful and thriving and growing program, but you also said, you know, things uh, don't happen by themselves. It's never one person to one organization. It requires broader support and collaboration. Um, t- as we as we wrap, I wanted to know what the future is and what support would help to grow or increase the success that you're measuring with these programs. Is it a matter of policy? It makes me think of all of the students now that are getting engaged and going to the state capitol and talking about renewable energy, for example. But uh, where do you see the next infusion of support to grow this success? You know, I'm very hopeful that um, industry continues to really see the value because although we're doing STEM education, it really is about workforce development. So we need all of our industry members to help, um, and they already are, but even more so to look at how can I open my doors for internships or how can I help make sure I'm helping to grow these young people and supporting these types of programs that really have an impact Um, You know, our legislators are so supportive, our governor, all of these folks are doing the best that they can. But I think the more we can interweave these different areas together, the more success we'll have. But industry plays a really big role. And speaking of industry, I mean, do you feel I think there are so many good STEM programs and we're producing all the kids, you know, and their capabilities to follow up with STEM. Is there a landing pad for them to come back to in Hawaii? 
that would take advantage of their, 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 their education. I think there absolutely is. I think there's room for growth, of course. Um, but I do see that our young people, you know, it's no longer a, just a STEM-specific job. Mm-hmm. It's the ability for these young people to have the skills that they need to deal with the unknown and to come up with solutions and to be our problem solvers. Um, so uh, I, I see there's a lot of potential here in Hawaii for our young people. And um, I do think that there's plenty of landing Good, area. good. <laughs> So where can people find out more about your programs? Oh, my gosh. They can go to our womenintech.com, www.womenintech.com, and we always have everything up there. If you want to know about uh, upcoming things, please go there, sign up, and we'll – Of course, you just had your big event. Anything else coming up? Yes, summer internships. We have summer STEM camps specific for girls and boys. Um, Lots and lots of stuff coming up. That's great. Yeah. Very good. We'll put that up on the show notes. Isla Young is uh, is the Women in Technology and, of course, STEM Program Director over at the Maui Economic Development Board. And we want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about the upcoming Microwave Symposium. And, of course, if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, we want you to stay safe and see you here, of course, next week for another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. You're only too, I've no wish to work.